I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Kim Grenolds of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eckland. It's been a busy week, so time to do another podcast, Dogman Radio. New schedules released, a couple of new commits, national image and likeness uh, is uh, finally kicked off. Football's coming sooner than we think with media day coming up here in a few weeks and fall practice beginning right around August 6th, August 7th. So we're only about four weeks away from that happening. So lots of stuff going on, but the big thing is, uh, a lot of games announced um, officially today. We kind of got tipped off yesterday about what was going on and some of the games that were scheduled. But, uh, you know, nothing really changes this this year. But starting next year, uh, some real interesting stuff coming up, especially with Michigan State being added, Eastern Michigan. But, you know, Chris, when you saw this new schedule that got released, just what was your initial thought? Well, the initial thought is is that it's it, this was going to have to come sooner or later, Kim, because – they had spots opening for 2022, 2023, and, and beyond that really needed to get shored up. Because right now, the trend in scheduling is to try to get guys out as far as possible because there's a lot of kind of that group of five teams that are really good teams that the, the, the power five guys, the SEC teams, the Big Ten teams, want to try to feast on as as part of their non-conference scheduling. And so they're willing to pay top dollar in order to get those guys to come to their towns. So you knew it was going to have to happen because Washington was kind of one of the late um, arrivers in terms of kind of getting their schedule firmed up. So you knew it was yeah. something was going to happen. But, yeah, it was interesting to see that the, the Michigan State stuff got bumped up so quickly because if for people to remember, they actually had their initial schedule for 2028 and 2031, and that got all bumped up. Um you know, so that was really good. So I thought that was great too. Getting Boise State again, I think was really, really good, especially two home games. Now, I don't know if that was part of the, the plan when they initially had the home and home with them before. So maybe it was kind of like, no, we'll play it wasn't. Three time. It wasn't? Okay. No, what's actually interesting is it was kind of a three-way deal and I'd have to go back and look at the schedules, but it had something to do with Boise State and Michigan State, actually, and Michigan State able to uh, drop the Boise game and then Boise able to being able to pick up the Washington game. So traveling to Washington instead of uh, Michigan State is some of the stuff that I had heard. So these things, they may sound easy, but they're a lot more complicated and there's a lot more stuff that goes behind the scenes in order to get this stuff done. But from my understanding, um, it had something to do with Michigan State and I don't know if there was money changed hands or what, because I know that, you know, with the Michigan game being canceled last year, um, I know that uh, they were working real hard to try to get that game rescheduled in 2022, um, and they weren't able to get it done. There were also some rumors of Washington possibly buying out a team that Michigan had scheduled for next year 
in Washington paying them not to play that game. There were some rumors of that going around. So these scheduling things are a lot more complicated and there's a lot more going on in the background that people uh, understand. And then in addition, it's big money. I mean, it's big money. So um, Boise State, home and home, I mean, not being a home and home, that doesn't surprise me. But Scott, with the recruiting that we follow, I think it's a good move by Boise State to help them with their footprint in the Seattle area. Yeah, I, I mean that that definitely will help them. And uh, you know, it, with all with all the stuff going on now, if I remember correctly, when Washington scheduled their home and home with uh, Boise State back in the you know several years ago, when Chris Peterson at, was actually still there, wasn't it a two home and one away game? Isn't that what so. they originally did? Yeah. So I'm wondering if this will, if they've got a contract to, hey, we need to figure out our schedule, but we're going to bring you guys, we're going to, we'll make a trip out to you guys again. I'm, not going, I'm wondering. They won't go back to Boise State. That's okay. from what I've heard. They won't do it. Uh, I, I don't think they should, but I didn't know if that would be a possibility. So, um, you know, the one, the one thing, you know, you, you asked Chris what kind of stood out to him. I, what really stands out to me is the two, there's still some open dates and I'm really interested to see how they end up filling those in as well. Well, I had uh, some conversations yesterday with people from UW and I was asking them about the neutral site games and possibly playing in Vegas or, um, Los Angeles because I, I me, I sometimes they just scan and I thought I saw something on Twitter that the Pac-12 was talking to, to the SEC about doing something in Vegas, you know, with a Pac-12 team against an SEC team, but um, they hadn't heard anything about that. And the first opening that Washington would have for something like that would be 2026. And um, from the sounds of it, I think that Washington would be open to doing those a neutral site game in um, Vegas or in Los Angeles. But sounds like the people in Vegas are just starting this process and don't really have their act together yet to make that happen. But with the new Pac-12 commissioner having a heavy influence in Vegas, we'll see if that does indeed happen. And I know that from the sounds of it, they're not really interested in, you know, going somewhere down in down South like Atlanta or New Orleans or anything like that. Dallas might be a little bit different, you know, and Scott, you could talk about this a little bit. Dallas might be a little bit different because they're getting a pretty good foot, uh, foothold in Texas on some yeah. guys that so might yeah. have a recruiting base. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but, and it's also, it's not as much of a home game for the SEC as an Atlanta game would be. So, um, you're still going to get a majority of SEC fans being able to go over to Dallas. Cause if you're playing in LSU, you're, I mean, that's a what three or four hour drive for them yeah. over to Dallas, maybe five, but, um, you know, it's, it's not that far. And, those people could drive over for the day even, you know, set out really early, drive over, um, watch the game, then head back and and make just a long, long day out of it. So, um, yeah, just a lot of different machinations that can work itself out. Um, I, I'm just excited. I, I always get excited when I when I look forward to seeing seeing what's down the road and and going to some of these cathedrals of college football. We've already been to several of them. Um, looking forward to possibly going to some other ones in the future. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited f- 
for for what Washington is doing. I want them to branch out. I like to see an ACC or an SEC school in there, uh, sprinkled in every now and then with a home and home, not just a one off uh, neutral site game. I, I want to see a home and home with an SEC school, and I, I hope that's something we get to see in the future. Well, the thing that is, you know, Chris, you could talk about this a little bit is. You don't want to give up a home game. I mean, there's too much money to be made on a home game. So, um, you know, if they do that neutral site game, you know, how much money is, are you giving up? You know, and how much would Vegas be willing to pay for a matchup of Washington versus, you know, an, an SEC type school like a Clemson or an Auburn? How much would they be willing to pay? Because if you've only with that rotating schedule that you have where you know, in the Pac-12 schedule, every other year you have one less home game, so it has to work out that way as well. Yes, and, and we we don't know Jimmy Lake's thoughts on on kind of the manner in which Chris Peterson did it with those neutral games, because you know, for instance, that that Chick Fil A, the the kickoff classic against Auburn in Atlanta, that was only done because Chris Peterson was adamant that if they were going to do a game like that, it had to be in a climate controlled environment. Yep, they were not going to be prepared to go to a place like Auburn in early September and deal with that kind of heat and humidity. So that's one thing that we we don't necessarily know what his opinion on all that stuff is. He may say, you know what, he may take the Pat Hill approach and just say anybody, anytime, anywhere. Or he may say, you know what, I fully agree with what Peterson did on that. Uh, guys, real quick, before we really dig into to more of the scheduling stuff, I kind of wanted to recap just to make sure people understand exactly what the major changes were in the scheduling because right now they have all of their schedules from this year, 2021 through 2025 are now set for the non-conference. So that's, that's the real plus. That's the first takeaway because there were some holes and now all those holes are pretty much taken care of for the next five years. So just to recap, 2021, they're playing Montana. They play at Michigan. Then they host Arkansas state. Ne- uh, next year will be Kent state, Portland state, Michigan state. And then in 2023, Tulsa at Michigan State, and then they host Boise State. Now, people also remember they had a game with North Dakota that was scheduled that has been now canceled. And then in 2024, it's Weber State, and then they host Ohio State, and then they host Eastern Michigan, which is a new game. Never played them before. 2025 is UC Davis at Ohio State, and then they host Colorado State, another new game with an opponent that they've never played before. So those are the 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 five years that are now set in stone, hopefully, you know, it it all kind of got thrown into the mix a while back when teams like Wisconsin and stuff had to 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 you know cancel some games and so now all that stuff's set. So when you take a look at the schedule, you know, when it's in front of you, you take a look in every other year they're hosting a major um a power five school at home. And then the following year they would go on the road. So when you take a look at the schedule, that's full. They've got at Ohio state in 25, which means in 26, they would be looking for that marquee home game. 27 would be a return date where they could go on the road for that. Um, and then 28 is at home in Michigan and 29 would be a year that they could um, have that away game. And, it sounds like they're very, very, very close to adding one more home and home to a marquee opponent. Um, I've talked to you guys about it. I can't put out the name, but uh, top 20, top 25 team, would you say? 
well, Power Five. I mean, it's 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 a game that when, if if it does get scheduled, people will be pretty happy about it. I mean, yeah, I, I think they'd it, be very happy. Yeah, it, it's a good game against a marquee opponent with a big especially, name. Especially, so. yeah, especially the return game to that other school too. It would be it would be pretty epic. Yeah, so uh, some cool stuff on that. But um, with also Chris, was there a Nevada game that got uh, canceled as well? I maybe at some point, but yeah, again, when Wisconsin kind of threw their their stuff out, you know, it really kind of created a domino effect, and a lot of other things um, had to start to take shape. That's why they had to kind of in the interim, um, in the last year or two, get games like Arkansas State, UC Davis, um, you know, Tulsa. They had to kind of find some of these fringier games, but those are the types of teams you guys that can offer. I mean, they can, they can basically ask for a mint. I mean, that game, that game against Tulsa in 2023, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington's paying upwards of a million dollars for that game. Over that. Yeah. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that they're going up against. And it's not just Washington. It's all the, the major power five schools that are having to deal with that. Yeah. And again, things, a couple of things are going to, you know, could throw turmoil into the schedules or really have a dramatic effect on the schedule is, you know, first of all, when they expand the college football playoff to 12 games and what impact that has once they finally get that all nailed down. And then also, um, you know, we'll dive into the name, image and likeness stuff a little bit down the road. But, um, you know, I think in a couple of years when things shake out with that, we'll get a good idea. And, you know, it's possible that the Pac-12 with their new commissioner and the name, image and likeness stuff could come back. Um, you know, could signal a comeback for the, you know, the Pac-12 conference. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, you know, the, just a couple of the interesting things, you know, because we've had Michigan State before, we've had Boise State before, but uh, the Eastern Michigan game, uh, you know, kind of stood out to me. And then the one that, you know, the first thing I thought of when I saw the Colorado State game was, that's Bob Rondo's alma mater. Any chance Bob comes back to call that game for his alma mater, which might be kind of interesting. In five years? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think, Bob's <laughs> very, I think Bob's very happy where he's at right now. Yeah, but I just kind of piqued my interest because it made me think of Bob right away because, you know, talking about, you know, I had a long talk with Bob a long time ago, but talking about, you know, his early days back at Colorado State. So, um, Eastern I was Mich- actually a little surprised that the, that the two teams hadn't played before. I would have thought at some point Don James and Sonny Lubick had, would have come you know, face to face against each other at some point, or it just felt like that would have been a natural and non-conference game for Washington to play back in the day. But yeah, never happened. Colorado State is in Colorado Springs. Um, yes, I believe it is. No, it's in Fort Collins. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, Colorado Springs, I think, is Air, it's Air, uh, Force. Air Force. Yeah, it's Air that's Force. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, I. Chris, I don't know if you've looked it up or yet or not, but is this the first meeting with Washington and Colorado State, or if I yes, seems that's like they played? It's the first time they've ever played. Same with Eastern Michigan. Both those they've never played either one of those teams. That's surprising. I thought they played Colorado State back in the day. That's what I was saying. Yeah, kind of surprising. Um, but anyways, Scott, anything else on that schedule that uh, jumps out at you? Anything else you find of interest? Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, but. I mean, nothing that is anything new that you guys haven't kind of already said, you know, the, the, I, I'm, I've never been a big fan of the FCS scheduling, but I know that's kind of just where things are at in college football right now. I think down the road, eventually that's going to get, 
that's going to get changed and um you know we'll just have to see but uh you know 2026 2027 they've already got two home games scheduled so i'm i'm really you know those two opens they're, they're going to have to add at least one more group of five school in 2026 they'll probably add at least a group of five if not an fcs school in 2027 and then we've already you've already kind of mentioned that they're they've got some things in the works for for a marquee name um for likely those years so um you know other than that it, it's just it's always kind of exciting to think down the road okay but i also will be uh 56 years old when you know those things are going on so am i going to be able to go i don't you know i don't know so we'll see yeah it's kind of interesting because um you know i've been on i've been kind of talking to Jen, you know, for the last couple of years because Sandy Barber's at Penn State. Um, and I know Jen and her were tight when Sandy was at Arizona State. And, you know, Jen, you got to get that Penn State home and home, you know, but <laughs> Sandy doesn't want to come out here. Why would she, you know, so, um, that was one I was hoping for, but it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. So, but we'll see because we definitely have openings back, uh, 26, 27 and uh 29 and beyond and um the guy who's been putting all this together and you know from my talking to some other people in the athletic department jason budikofer who's an associate athletic director he's been the one putting all this together and from what i understand getting the michigan state uh stuff moved up um was a miraculous feat very complicated very delicate and it took a long time and uh like I said, you know, from everything I heard, it was very, very difficult to put together. And I know Boise State was involved somehow in that with getting another home game here with Boise State, getting them off of um, another schedule from what I hear. And then you never know what else was going on behind the scenes. But that stuff is always, you know, just the nuts and bolts behind the scene sometimes get pretty interesting. So, hey, Kim, I wanted to say one more thing about yeah. the Michigan game because you laid out pretty well kind of the the difficulties in trying to get that thing scheduled as soon as possible. Yeah. Um 2028 I Jim Harbaugh's not going to be at Michigan in 2028, is he? There's just well, no I, I saw him last week in the disappearing act. I mean, he's probably dropped 50 pounds. He was thin, so he might be disappearing. I don't know. Well, it's <laughs> just, it's just one of those things where you know, you you schedule these things so far in advance. That you, you're still just, you aren't a hundred percent sure about what program you're going to be facing, but it's going to be doubly weird when they go to Michigan this fall. They know, relatively speaking, who they're going to be playing, but then the return game is not until another seven years later. Michigan could be an, I mean, and probably will be an entirely different program by then. I think it's, I think it's kind of fascinating and it's unfortunate because you'd like to be able to play them you know, during a time where back-to-back years, you get a general sense of what they're going to be. You can kind of anticipate 2028. That thing's literally a coin flip, no matter what happens. Well, the other thing that I find interesting too is when you know some of these games they're made so far in advance. Rick Neuheisel gets hired, and there's a game you know from Colorado, and then there's an away game. <laughs> I mean, there's a road game at Colorado. Tyrone Willingham gets hired, you know, uh, after he got fired at Notre Dame, and there's a game scheduled. Um, back there at Notre Dame, Chris Peterson gets hired and there's a game back at Boise State with Chris Peterson returning there. So, you know, that Ohio State game or the Michigan game is something weird has so, going to happen by then. So are you saying Washington might be hiring Ryan Day? 
could, yeah. Oh, okay. Or Jim Harbaugh. The other thing that's weird about <laughs> all this then, stuff, yeah. too, is that, you know, uh, Mel Tucker was at Colorado, and now he's at Michigan State. Yeah. So they get they get to even though they're going to be playing a Big Ten team, they're going to be playing a Big Ten team that has a former Pac-12 coach. So that's interesting too. Yeah, but interesting stuff on the um, on the scheduling. But uh, a lot of big news the last week. We haven't had a podcast since the commitment of Ben Roberts yesterday. Ameka Megwa, who's a big time running back out of Colorado, committed and some other recruiting things going on as well. We'll touch bases on that and dive deep into a little bit more of that when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back. It's the guys from Dogman.com. I'm Kim Grinnells with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Mecca Megwa is from Texas, not Colorado. Sorry about that slip-up, but... uh you know, let's go back to last week. Ben Roberts, big defensive, uh, is he defensive tackle, Scott? Is that what you would call him? Yeah, defensive tackle, a three tech, five tech, whatever you want to call him. I don't think he's a nose. I don't think that's in his repertoire right now. Um, but yeah, can penetrate big six four, two 295 pounds, 290 pounds, uh, really explosive, can track down things from the backside. There are not a lot of weaknesses in his game. A lot of questions, you know, coming out of Utah, but he wasn't, was he recruited by Utah? And that's something I'm still trying to kind of figure out. I'm, I've been digging around with some people that I know over at Utah and haven't gotten really an answer yet. Um, it's, it's tough to say why he wasn't offered by BYU or, uh, Utah. Now, BYU could be because he doesn't have an LDS. Uh, connection or anything like that, but Utah doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I do know that Washington has a really strong hold in at East High School, and they've produced a ton of guys for Washington to to snag up the past few years. You've got Sam Taimani, you've got Jordan Lolohea, and then you've got Void Tanufi, and those are all guys who Washington has gone into East High School, recruited against Utah for, and gotten them, and um, Roberts now, Roberts already kind of had a connection to the, the University of Washington because he grew up in Tacoma, I think, for about 10 years of his life before they moved to, uh, Utah. He's got a lot of family up here. He loves it. His, his phone number, um, was still a 206 area code when I called him. So, uh, and Keely Ringo's was too, though. So I should, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't get too excited about that, but still, I mean, I, I just, I I was like, man, you have a two or I think it was a two five three area code. I said two five three, and he said, yeah, yeah. He goes, I he, I still have family up there, so um, you know, we talked a little bit. He loves it the at the University of Washington, loves the staff. Ikaika Malloy has done a really good job of recruiting him, and Rip Rowan. You know, I, this is his first big win on the recruiting front. Now, I think he had a little bit of help from Ikaika Malloy because Ikaika was the one that was recruiting him until he got moved over. But um, yeah, I. Uh, the big win for uh, Rip Rowan. How good is he, Scott? 
He's going to be really good. I, I, I think he eventually is, is going to be a guy that a lot of schools that didn't offer him are going to wish they had. I think Washington, um, you know, is going to end up, I, we've got him as a four star. Yeah. We've got him as a four star on, on two, four, seven, but in the composite, he's still only a three star and a point eight, 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 nine. So he's right on the cusp of being a four star. And I think some of these schools, or I'm sorry, some of these networks are gonna are playing catch up and 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 things like that. But I mean, he had offers from Washington, Tennessee, Virginia Tech, um, several other schools: Baylor, Nebraska, Oregon, UCLA, USC. I don't understand why Utah didn't offer. I really don't. Um, I maybe they just don't need defensive tackle prospects. I don't know. Chris, you've been to plenty of football camps. You've done plenty of football games. You've done plenty of scouting and evaluations. Just maybe tell you yeah, how old would, I know it. I'm, yeah, old. Not as, I'm not as old as me, but it just, I, I just can't help but think how difficult this evaluation process has been with, it just seems like most of these evaluations that have been done on a lot of these guys have been done in, in shorts and how difficult that is. And I think we're going to see a lot of players plummet in their rankings. I think we're going to see a lot of players skyrocket once the game start. But I mean, could you even imagine being a coach and having to evaluate these guys like they are right now? Well, I think the, the, the pandemic really put a crip on things. That was the toughest thing because they just weren't playing games. And so I think that's why maybe you started to see them go more into places like Texas because, you know, they were playing. And so it was easier to just get tape and identify them and watch them. And, and then on top of them, they couldn't go see them in person for obvious reasons. And when they were playing. So I just think that is just the, the toughest. Well, Chris, because, except for Arizona State, they got you know, to see people in person. <laughs> we, we could certainly talk about that if you guys want to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just Sorry. extremely difficult. And, and the bottom line is, you know, for forever, Washington has been adamant, especially like with the quarterbacks, for instance, they they need to see those guys throw in person, you know, whether it's, you know, getting them back on campus or what have you, they have to see them throw in person in order to confirm what they already believed they saw on tape. And they had not been able to see anybody throw in person until this last weekend. And that's just incredibly difficult. I mean, you're, you're in, in many ways, you're almost kind of, trying to get a kid to sign uh, sight unseen. Um, not that you haven't necessarily seen him in person before, but you haven't seen him throw. You haven't seen him throw in a competitive situation. It's incredibly difficult. I mean, imagine being in a job situation where your livelihood depends on who you surround yourself with, but you don't get to really see them work until you hire them. It's I can't even imagine what that would be like. And Scott, I talk a lot about, you know, I know the Seahawks, for example, when they're looking at corners, they're looking for a certain height. They're looking for a certain length of arm, certain uh, amount of reach. But the body profiling that's done sometime and why I'm bringing this up is it just seems like in John Donovan's offense and what John wants to do, he wants those bigger backs. Um, And he went out and got one yesterday uh, with the commitment of the Mecca uh, Megwa. Because right now, uh, other than Sean McGrew, that stable that Keith Bonifa has assembled, it's not, I I don't know the thoroughbreds back there, but man, they got some big dudes in that running back room right now. Yeah, Cam Davis, I wouldn't put him in a big back, uh, 
you know, category or anything like that, but he's still on the bigger side compared to what they had had with Bishop Sankey, Miles Gaskin, and uh, the like. So, um, yeah, I mean, JV on Sunday, big physical guy. Richard Newton runs very physically. He isn't the biggest guy, but definitely runs like a guy who's about 20 pounds heavier. You've got Caleb Berry, who came in this spring and showed some some flashes here and there. He's got he's got big back potential as well. He's going to be he was 210 or 215 when he showed up. He's got the body to be 225, 230. Um and then Megwa, Matt, you look at the legs on that dude. I mean, it is his leg. Do you remember John L. Williams? I mean, I'm going back a oh, yeah. long ways. You guys remember John L. Williams with the yeah. Seattle Seahawks? I re- I remember that guy had tree trunks for legs, and this guy looks exactly like that from the from the waist down. I mean, he he just his lower body is so developed already, and man, I he is so strong. So um, it'll be interesting. Now, I, if you watch his highlight film. He doesn't run with power a lot. He doesn't break a lot of tackles, although, you know, maybe an arm tackle here or there. What I want to see from a guy who's 220 pounds, though, is someone who sees a guy in the open field and runs him over. And I didn't see that in his film. Now, that doesn't mean he can't do it. He just made decisions not to do that, and maybe he didn't have to because he took it to the house most of the time. But, um, you know, the the guy is is – he has all the requisite – physical tools to work with so um it's exciting to get a talent like this into washington you just don't see a lot of backs with his pedigree come into the university of washington now everybody can say miles gaskin well miles gaskin was was uh, was he even a four-star i think he was a three-star coming out of high school he only had offers from washington and washington state he was five nine 170 pounds when he graduated high school Nobody thought he was going to be the guy that he was going to be. Emeka uh, Megwa is a guy who I definitely think has that potential to be a guy who's in the conversations for, um, you know, at the very least, the the top running back in the country awards and things like that. Maybe not Heisman, but definitely that that realm. And and with the the kind of game that an offense that Washington wants to run on offense. I, he fits in perfectly. Now we we just need to see him run downhill a little bit more, and I think you'll see a little bit more of that at Timber Creek, where he's transferred into. He was at Nolan Catholic the last three years. So Timber Creek, man, that's a big school down there in Texas, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch him over the next six months before he gets up to the University of Washington. He has told me he's planning to, to graduate early, but he was unsure if it would be in January or in March. So still kind of up in the air on when he'll arrive at Washington. Scott, I asked you yesterday, you can only have one, Jadavian Sunday, Caleb Berry, or Mecca Megwa. You didn't hesitate. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be Megwa um, just because of his receiving skills. But from what I've seen from Sunday and Berry, I don't want to just select one. You know, I mean, it's I didn't hesitate because I, I think the potential is there for Megwa to be just super special. But I think Sunday and, and Barry have that capability too. So what's going to be fun is going to see how this thing all rolls out. That was the great thing about spring ball, and you guys I hope would back me up, was actually getting to see Sunday run the ball a little bit, getting to see Caleb Barry run the ball a little bit. And that was kind of fun to to get to see their running styles in person rather than on a on a highlight reel. And, Chris, when you take a look at that running back room and take a look at the depth in that running back room, um, maybe talk a little bit about how these rotations may, uh, you know, plan out in the future. Was it, is, was it Oklahoma who signed, um, who got commitments from two of the top running backs in the country? 
Well, I know they got a commitment from Gavin Sawchuk, who's the the player that um, played at Roger Rosengarten School, high school in Colorado. And I know that Washington had offered him, and he committed to to Oklahoma. But, um, yeah, I kind of thought, just to echo a little bit about um, JV on Sunday, what Scott said, I thought one of the first initial impressions, uh, even day one or day two of spring ball, was when he just absolutely leveled. Who was it? Was it uh, Cameron Williams or one of those guys? Yeah, it was Cam um, Williams. Yeah, it was uh, – it was, it was like, well, wait a second, that's not supposed to happen in spring football. You guys aren't supposed to be able to hit anybody. And that was even before they had full pads on. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting. But as far as the rotations, I think, you know, the way that Keith Bonifaz has, has worked it the last few years, it's always been kind of hot hand theory. And, um, you know, he just kind of runs his guys, you know, I think depending on what the defense is willing to give, but also uh, based on who seems to be on it that particular night. So Alabama Alabama's always seemed to have, you know, three, four running backs in the fold. Same with LSU, Oklahoma, um, Ohio I mean, State. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem unusual for you to have, you know, a couple of guys in that room that are legit first round draft picks and, you know, a couple of backups, you know, that are young that are going to be the same thing. Well, true, but but at the same time a school like Alabama has always had, you know, a Derrick Henry. Or you can go to, you talk about Ohio State with, with Zeke Elliott. You know, I mean, yes, they're going to have stables of guys, but they're also typically going to have the guy. Um, you know, last year with Alabama, Najee Harris, you know, that you want that guy that you want that guy that can be a four down back. And for everything that's really, really good about what Keith Bonifaz done with this current crop and in his stable, is there a four down, is there a legitimate four down guy in there? I think there might be. I think Cam Davis could be one of those guys. But if you look at Sean McGrew, for instance, is he a four-down guy? Yeah, he hasn't really shown it. Is Kamari Pleasant? Hasn't really shown it. Um, Rich Newton? I think we're really going to start to see the best of Richard Newton this fall. So I think he could be. Um, but he clearly wasn't last year, for instance. So, yeah, I think for sure there's so much potential in that group. But at the same time, I know Bonifa wants one or two of those guys to become the guy because there's nothing better than having that Miles Gaskin in your lineup, that guy that you can always count on. Hey, just real quick, something that um, people may not be aware of. July 1st was the deadline to put your name in the transfer portal to be eligible um, to be able to transfer and play football um, this upcoming season. So anybody who enters the transfer portal from here on out um, – won't be playing football until the following year if they yeah they will miss this entire season if they go in the transfer portal right now so the deadline for that was July 1 um i need to add, i need to take a look and see what the deadline is for basketball but uh the deadline for the transfer portal if how many people are left in the transfer portal scott i want to say it's like 2300 something like that yeah yeah, put your, putting your name on the invite list, you're open for offers, but you're not getting any. So grass isn't always greener. Yeah, so just that, that's just kind of a side note. But uh, Scott, it was a big weekend last week for official visits. Um, anything else coming up this month with visits? Anything else planned? Uh, well, no. So okay, so there is now a three and a half week dead period, basically. Uh, that started on the 1st, and it'll go all the way through the 24th, 
And then on the 24th or 25th, I can't remember the exact day, but uh, schools could start hosting kids again for one week through the end of July. I think it's through July 31st. And you can you can have kids on campus. Um, you can t- bring them in for official visits. It sounds like Washington's going to bring at least one guy in. Very possibly they could bring in one or two more, depending on who wants to make decisions and, and how they read situations. But that's kind of where things stand as far as the rest of this month. Uh, and and when you talk about the guys that were on campus, Washington had seven official visitors, six of whom were not committed. Jackson Stratton was the one commit that was on on uh, campus last weekend as an official visitor. Um, there were a couple other UW commits that were on campus, but they were they were not they were just on unofficial visits. So um, you know, I think you could see as many as four or five more commits. Um, I'm sorry, not four or five, three or four more commits. Uh, here over the next several weeks before the start of the season. And, um, you know, Washington is in a good place for Teberua Tafiti, the top uh, player out of Hawaii. Uh, he's a linebacker out of Punahou. They, they put themselves in a really good spot for him. I think, I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Ben Morrison, the top corner on Washington's board. He's out of Arizona. He's out of Brophy Prep down there. Big time kid was up at UW, was down, basically down to UW and Notre Dame. And it sounds like UW is probably going to be the choice. And I think we find out here pretty soon what his decision is. Um, and then you got Lance Holdsclaw, a defensive end prospect. He's only 6'4", 200 pounds, but man, can he get after the quarterback? He's pretty, he's pretty, uh, pretty explosive. And then the other guy is Ryan Otten, and he's a tight end out of Tumwater. Well, if that last name sounds familiar to you, he's the younger brother of Kate Otten. And I mean, it, we would be in a parallel universe, bizarro world, in my opinion, if he ends up going anywhere else. It's it's possible because he did love his visit to Stanford, and they've got that education that they definitely flaunt and tout. But didn't now, and I'm not saying this is a big deal on Ryan Ryan Otten, I, and I don't want to dig too deep on the NIL stuff. But didn't Stanford say that they weren't going to participate in that? I thought I heard you. something about that, but that just yeah. seems odd to me because I don't. A lot of that's not even in, under their. I know control. it's handicapping. It's handicapping your team. So well, it's also I, not under their really under their control. If a, if a student athlete wants to take part, they, yeah, they, I think it's I more. They're it's not going to help them. They're not going to uh, help them with it or something. I see because like yeah, because Washington has what they call boundless futures, which is kind of their way of trying to help the players with the marketing plans with strategies because. Kim, this, I don't know if this is a relevant point, but to me, a oh, lot of what the, yeah, we can dive into the NIL stuff. I want to take a quick break before we dive into that, but, um, and we'll talk about that when we return. But before we move on to that and before we go to the break, I just wanted to mention one more thing, Scott, with all the guys that were in on visits, say like a year ago, there was no reason for guys to be silent commits, but mm-hmm. now, um, it seems like the players wanting to get their brand out there, players wanting to – it's almost like they're delaying announcing because even though they've committed, because they want the stage to be cleared to have their own moment like mm-hmm. yesterday because Megwood committed on his visit. You know, Yeah, but, several of them committed on their visits. And then so. so the first one to announce was Roberts, and then mm-hmm. it sounds like – and you can talk about this a little bit, Scott. It sounds like – you know, let's just space it out a little bit. Give you know Ben his you know day in the sun, and then uh, when uh, Ameka does his, we'll give him his time. 
you know, maybe three, four, five days from now or early next week, we get the next one. Um, and it has to do, uh, do, you, do you understand where I'm going with this? Yeah, Scott? yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. And, and I think that's something that, that schools are, are definitely wary of. Yeah. And I think Washington kind of likes that. They've, they had been liking the ability to spread things out even a little bit anyway. Um, they had, that's one of the reasons that they didn't have like four on one day when they, when they had gotten commitments on recruiting weekends, this was under Chris Peterson as well. So, um, yeah, I, they, they do. They're, they're, they've been trying to stretch it out a little bit. Just, just keep themselves in the news cycle, partly because over the next three weeks, there's not going to be a lot of news coming out of the program because the coaches are all going to take their vacations. The, the recruit, the football players are going to be off campus. The, you know, just all the different things and, and there's no recruit, there's not any really recruiting going on other than phone calls. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a way for Washington to keep their name out there in the news cycle as well. Today is July 2nd. Uh, the 27th of July will be media day down at PAC 12, uh, down in Los Angeles. Scott, uh, between now and media day, how many more commitments will Washington have by then? How many I'm more? Gonna, I'm going to guess two, uh, possibly three. Okay. All right. Um, and that's a good number. So people could speculate. Yeah, about that, that, that would be, I don't know. What is their, you know, I, I can't believe I haven't even kept track of this. The commitment list is, I'm looking at it right now. It, uh, they have seven commits. You could be at 10 and then that leaves them seven spots for the rest of the class. Yeah. So. Name, image and likeness has taken off. So, um, a little bit of, News on that. Uh, we'll touch bases on that and more after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we are back it's the guys from dogman.com i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetters scott eckland and scott i don't even hear the rugrats running around in the background causing all no, kinds of commotion no, you- day camp day camp Woo-hoo. Day i thought camp. I thought it was duct tape and Cheerios in the closet or something no, like that. No, day, day camp this week. Next week is when uh, we might not be able to do a podcast, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> That's fire- when they're not they're here. Kind of sucks to be a kid. No fireworks. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I honestly got out of the firework business a long time ago, um, and 
you know, well, I don't think the kid, my kids are not, my kids are six and four. And so they, they actually get a little scared by the fireworks and, and the loud noises kind of bother them a little bit. So I think we're still a couple of years away from them really being excited about that. And hopefully, uh, in the future, we'll, it won't be so tinder dry that we can't have, uh, fireworks. Uh, name, image, and likeness kicked off on, uh, yesterday actually. And a couple of guys already with a couple of deals with Trent McDuffie signing a deal and guard Memelar on a clothing line. Hey, Chris, will we be able to sponsor players, Chris? Any idea? I don't know, but, um, I, I did note that you said on Twitter that you're available for sponsorship Absolutely. as well. So, um, Absolutely. no, no reason not to throw our hats in the ring. Uh, who would be your ideal sponsor, Chris? If you could have any sponsor, who would it be? I know who it would be. I know who it would be. Well, then you tell me. Who who should it be? Aston Villa soccer team. No, 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 no. Right. No, no I, I'd be thinking more like Ezell's. <laughs> How about you, Scott? Who'd maybe, be your maybe, Dick, maybe Dick's Burgers. Dick's? Yeah, um, I'm thinking Omaha Steaks. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking... I'm thinking Tesla. Kim, I'd like. I'd like a nice, be, oh, I'd I see. Like, I thought. I thought it'd be Adderall. But see, that's the thing, Tim. See, you don't. You don't. You don't think with your stomach like Scott and I. So you. You, you, you know. You don't have the same perspective. <laughs> I'm also being practical. Tesla ain't giving us a deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, oh, Omaha Steaks might. Yes, Tesla might. They don't give the guys cars. By the way, they they you know like a lease. They give them a free lease. So. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, or Titleist, Titleist would be good too. There you go. Yeah, I'll take I'll take one from a teriyaki spot. I'm 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 pretty simple. Yeah. What else? Uh, Quilcita Creek, Quilcita Creek. If you're listening, uh, I'm there open for offers. There you go. Um, so, uh, um, what's funny? I don't know if you guys remember this, but you know they had the seven on seven team going somewhere, and Sam was the quarterback, and they didn't have any t-shirts so damon took a bunch of his passing time wine t-shirts it just said passing time on them and they all cut the sleeves off and they're all wearing passing time t-shirts out there competing on seven on seven you know so i was giving damon a little bit of a hard time you're going to sponsor all the quarterbacks and i asked if i could sponsor sam's big toe or his throwing arm but we got to be careful because if we donate any money could we be construed as boosters in recruiting and that's yeah yeah, that's the big thing. So, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see because, and Chris, you know, we talked about this. I, I think the fans are just kind of yawning over it so far because there hasn't been any real big endorsement deals. But I think when it's going to take off is when we see that first big endorsement deal. And I don't even know if what the parameters are on this. I mean, could they get a sponsorship for, um, a beer company, a wine company, or alcohol, or tobacco, or also heard some rumors that if a school already has a sponsorship agreement with um, a company, that the athletes wouldn't be able to piggyback on that. For example, Alaska Airlines is a big sponsor for UW stuff in Heck Ed, so a basketball player wouldn't be able to um, be sponsored by Alaska in addition, now I don't know if that's true. If it is true, it would be interesting with Nike down at Oregon, since they have the big Nike sponsorship. Would Nike be able to give shoe deals to the players? I don't know, but Chris, I think it's going to take one a big endorsement deal for this really to take off, and we haven't seen that yet. 
Well, we may have seen it because I think there's word out there that Masterpiece, on, I don't remember where he plays, but I believe he just signed a deal that's going to be worth, when if it comes to like full maturity, I think worth about $2 million. So that if that is actually true, then that is incredible. I mean, that now, granted. Exactly. That's because of his dad's name, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of guys that play sports that, that have connections in the entertainment world. So, I mean, I remember when USC had some guys that were, that were playing ball and, and had connections to, um, entertainers, whether it was music or movies or what have you. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I think one of the really interesting side aspects of all this deal is, is because the schools can't actually negotiate or be a part of the deals themselves, they still have a very active role in kind of mentoring these kids and making sure that they have a plan for what what's about to happen to them. And what I was going to say before the last break, Kim, is that, you know, we know that when the NFL guys get drafted or the NBA guys get drafted, we see it. The, the NFL and the NBA have been very proactive about getting these guys involved in programs and getting uh, involved with people that will have talks with them about how to deal with their money. And, and how to approach this newfound wealth in a way that can be sustained for the long term instead of just going out and spending money willy nilly. And I one think thing, right, one thing that Ryland and I spoke about on a pod, on another podcast was that, uh, Ryland Spencer and I was that there, some of these schools might have to start employing some CPAs for these kids because most of these kids have never paid taxes before. And, and that's part of the point. You could have CPAs go in there and actually have talks with these kids about the next steps, about how you have to deal with the taxes, how you have to deal with potential, you know, whether it's a withholding thing or what kind of contract you would negotiate. You might have lawyers come in and have conversations with these guys about the pitfalls and learning some of these things because these are things that typically young kids that get a lot of money right off the bat don't understand anything about unless they have a family member that's been coaching them and whatnot. And that's pretty rare. So I think in many ways, this is really, really good because it does in one sense kind of shorten the life of, of kind of just playing game for fun and stuff. Yep. But these guys want it. These guys want the money. They, they want their share. They're entitled to it. I think it's completely fair. But at the same time, they need to understand the realities of the business world that they're getting into. And it can be cutthroat. It can be harsh. And they need to be prepared for it. And so I think the schools that show themselves to be the ones most prepared to help plan for these kids and help them with their strategizing and marketing their brands, I think those are the schools that are going to come out best in terms of this 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 arms race that keeps escalating. Well, I think the you know the thing that it's one of the reasons I don't want to go down the rabbit hole is because this thing, it's kind of like when football and basketball and baseball started free agency, all of a sudden everything's opened up and nobody's got a clue, you know, uh, how it, the market's going to react to it. And with this thing just starting, what it looks like today I'm guessing, you know, a year from now, it's going to look a lot different. And in five years from now, it's going to look a lot different where you may see this explosion. And then, you know, the rain's starting to be tightened a little bit because 
we just don't know what this thing is going to happen. We just don't know. But, you know, one of the interesting thing in talking to a couple of the coaches is it's going to be really important to um, manage a locker room. You know, can, like, you can imagine just football and basketball, some of the egos involved with these big-time athletes, not just the University of Washington, but these big-time schools. And, you know, you could have the haves and have-nots in that locker room, and how is that going to have an impact on the team, which I think is going to be real interesting to follow. So Yeah, I think I think what's interesting, Kim, is so like if you look at Instagram followers, for instance, because a lot of people think that social networking will be a situation where they can – make a lot of money just based on having some sponsored posts and things like that. Well, <laughs> Bookie Radley Hiles has like an, a ton, a ton of Instagram followers, like well over 150,000. Yeah. The next most, the next most on the entire team is Giles Jackson, who hasn't even played at Washington, hasn't even practiced once at Washington. And he's like less than 15,000. This is the gulf that we're already talking about. So in terms of celebrity, in terms of just, being known and whatnot, you're going to have to deal with those kinds of things in, in a locker room anyway. And, and, well, and the personalities and all that stuff. But when I, when I hear a guy like Guard Memelar hooking up with a clothing company to have some, some deals and whatnot, that tells me that the free market is going to take care of these, a lot of these things. The market forces will kind of help regulate a lot of this stuff over time, but you're absolutely right. It's going to take years. Of, of kind of figuring all this stuff and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. But the beautiful part about it is the free market usually has a pretty good gauge on these things and it works out how it's supposed to work out. Well, the thing that's going to be interesting is diving into it a little bit deeper. And this is going into Scott's area where Scott's going to enjoy this, but we're already starting to see, you know, where these college players with this name, image and likeness, you know, when, Somebody told me, you know, when watching an NBA game, you're not watching players. You're watching five corporations, you know, on the floor for each team because the money's so big and it's all entities and they're all businesses. And you're going to start to see that a little bit in college where you're going to see these players become businesses. And, you know, talking about their brand, when we do an interview, you know, with a guy, is he going to mention his sponsorship? Is thank, you know, thanking my sponsors like you have at the end of boxing or MMA matches, but, the thing I'm starting to see, you know, with athletes wanting to control their message. But, Scott, I already started to see it when I was at a camp last week. High school players <laughs> building their social media brand yeah, and building yeah. their own brand as in high school. And they're already getting guys. It's like the AAU basketball stuff. You're already getting people talking to these high school kids about building their brand while they're in high school, while they're being recruited. So it carries over into college football and college basketball. Yeah. You're already seeing it. Makes my head want to explode, dude. Just yeah, totally but guys, does. guys, but this is, let's, but let's be honest. This has been happening in some guys in some form in some one way or another for like 70 years. We know about all the stories about Hugh McElhenney and having oh, yeah. to take a pay cut when he went pro. You look at guys like Brian Bosworth or Herschel Walker or, you know, some of these other guys back in the seventies and eighties that were larger than life. Mm -hmm. the, these kind of, these kind of characters and these kind of personalities and these kinds of brands, the boss, I mean, these have been going on. This has been going on for decades. They're only finally starting to be able to make some money off of that. So Which I think is a huge step. Can, can high school kids take endorsement deals? Because the one, the kid I'm thinking of. Well, they're all they're all saying they're all thinking they can. So we'll see. You know, because well, next, are you, are you going to tell me that a guy like Savelle Smalls, who is a <laughs> high end recruit, 
coming out of uh, well, I guess it was big Kennedy personality. Catholic. Big personality had schools from all over offering him. Had my and Chris, what was his social media following on Twitter? It had. To oh be yeah, he. I think he was the one right behind Giles Jackson in terms. So in terms of like the homegrown guys, one night he's got like thirteen point three in terms yeah. of thousands of of you, uh, are, Instagram followers. So he's clearly. I mean, and 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 obviously the bulk of that was made during his recruitment when yeah. he was getting fans from Florida State, getting uh, fan, Clemson, fans from Alabama, Alabama Clemson, yeah. all those other schools that were following him because they thought they were going to get him. Yeah, well, now, the, and the are, keep... are you telling me that he couldn't have made ten grand yeah. off of some silly deal that, that someone is willing to pay him? Well, I'll, I'm I'll, telling you, I think it absolutely could have happened and probably yeah. is going to happen this fall. I'll tell you the guy to keep an eye on. If you, if you, if there's a sponsorship deal out there for a high school kid, there's a kid coming up that I think if he could take sponsors, they would line up around, I mean, from here to Portland to sign this kid up. Uh, Peyton Manning's kid, Arch, Arch Manning, who's going into high school next year. Can you imagine an endorsement deal for that kid? Hey, Kim, we were talking about it before we, we started recording. You know, who's probably the Husky that would have benefited the most from this stuff? Think about Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson would have been incredible. Now, people are already joking because he says, you know, where's my bag? I could have made a million. It's like, well, a lot of people are like, didn't you, didn't you already claim that you already did? That was funny. But, yeah. Yeah. But, but here's the point. I mean, but the point is undeniable. When you talk about kind of mercurial personalities in the last 20 years or so, guys that would have been absolute no brainers in terms of being in front of a camera, in terms of hawking a product or dealing, you know, having a sponsorship. I mean, Nate Robinson to me and Mario Bailey. To me, come right to the fold when it comes to guys. You're missing, you're missing the obvious one. Well, I'm sure there's tons of obvious ones, but I, Nick, those two were the Nick ones. Montana. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Easy. You can, you know, we, we talked about Master Pisa. Nick Montana is a guy that can certainly play off his father's name. There's tons of guys out there. This is, and this is why I understand your, your, um, reluctance to really delve into it and, and rightly so, because, you know, when you go in the dogman boards, the, the two prevailing opinions I've seen, or you've got the one that says basically this is the death of, of, you know, sports as we know in college, which I would agree. I think that's true. Some people are, you know, like, well, that's the worst thing that could ever happen and that's fine. I get it. But then there are others that are, you know, really kind of exploring the, the, the possibilities and what are the next steps? What are the questions that need to be asked? Because for, for better or worse, this is the, the new era that we're going to be living in. Got to figure out how to live in it. Wild times ahead, you know, and like I said, you know, buckle up and that's about all you can really do and just grab some popcorn and just kind of watch as things fall. But, uh, you know, just, uh, Chris Scott, we're going into the time of year where coaches I know want to take a little bit of time off. I know that, um, Justin Glenn, the head of recruiting got married here a couple of weeks ago. I know he's planning on taking his honeymoon. Congratulations to Justin Glenn, but, uh, just hold Chris on, looks- Kim. Was that a was that a genuine congratulations? He he's got a good girl. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know, I know he's got a great girl. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I I approve of that one. There's a lot oh, I don't. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say you you had a business you were thinking of starting. Oh yeah, my marriage intervention business that could be yeah. in play tomorrow. By the way, one of my good yeah. friends is, is quote scheduled to get married tomorrow. I'm still working that. We'll see yeah. if that happens. She'll kill yeah. me if she hears that, but. <laughs> It's funny. I got a call Christmas Day and um FaceTime call from my buddy Christmas Day. I go, what's he doing calling me? And it's a picture of the ring. And, uh, we thought we'd call you because you'd probably have the biggest problem. 
And I just said, that's the nicest promise ring I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, nice. But anyways, but, um, you know, just what's on your schedule for the next few weeks, Chris? I don't know. Hopefully I get some time off. <laughs> but the bottom line is we'll still be doing the kick, the kickoff countdown. Scott's been doing his, um, his decade of, or his numbers of guys. And then starting with the fifties, I'll, I'll be back on it. Um, we're rotating those guys and, and obviously we'll have content every day on that score. And then, you know, like Scott said, you know, last weekend of, of July, will there'll, there'll be a weekend where they're going to be able to host some, some official visitors. So that'll be interesting to see who they bring in. And we'll see how the fallout from the, from this last weekend's official visit starts to unfold. Cause I think you're right. I think on the one hand, these players kind of want their 15 minutes and they absolutely deserve it. But on the other hand, I think there is some orchestration behind the scenes with the, with the staff that they want to kind of, you know, kind of sprinkle these things here and there so that they can kind of keep that momentum being uh, generated over the course of the rest of the summer and going into fall camp so they can really kind of start things on a high and, and, um, you know, CBS, um, sports HQ, which is the place that hosted the Megwa, um, commitment on, uh, they streamed it. I think you're going to see some more of those guys, uh, do that kind of stuff as well. So start to look for more of those guys making decisions live streaming, um, as you go through getting through the rest of the summer, because as, as Scott would very well tell you, and, and it's, this is something that's happened over the last few years for sure. Now that the recruiting calendar has been bumped up, guys want to make their decisions now. They want to get them out of the way so that they can go into their senior seasons fresh not thinking about recruiting, not thinking about taking trips. They've done all that work. They made their commitment and then they can roll on to their senior seasons. So those are the things I'm, I'm looking at. And Scott, just the next couple of weeks, what's on your agenda? Well, uh, one thing, and this I don't think has a lot to do with Washington because I, I don't think they're in the final two for him, but uh, JT Tui Malau should be making a decision anytime now. And, uh, Brandon Huffman actually made a comment to somebody that he needs to commit by July 21st because he goes on vacation <laughs> the, the last w- week of the month. So, um, but that being said, you know, um, Chris and I, one thing, you know, Chris had mentioned the countdown articles and those, I don't know about you, Chris, but they've been kind of fun for me because I'm learning about guys that I didn't know a lot about. I didn't know who Vic Markov was. Oh, for sure. No, no, and no. You then, have to go back and look yeah. and, and you'd be surprised at the, the the number of guys that ended up in the NFL, you know, from the from the fifties and sixties. Yeah, since. I know, and I didn't know who Vic Markov was. That guy's a impressive person. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, you know, check out uh, yesterday's if if you're wondering who Vic Markov was, because I I posted that about that yesterday. Thanks to Dogmeister, I think who who is the one who uh, shamed me publicly for not including him in my write up, and then I went and researched him. And I'm like, geez, how did I forget this guy? But um, the other thing that we need to um, mention is the fact that we're going to have our preview articles out, um, our position previews for fall camp. And, uh, you know, uh, fall camp, like Kim said, is only about four or five, four and a half, five weeks away. And then every, then we're just into a crazy time of the year. So, um, and it doesn't really stop until early February. <laughs> so it's going to be, it's going to be a fun season to actually see. I was hoping we would get to see a packed, uh, Husky stadium and, and at least from, uh, allowing people in sta- the stands, uh, scenario, you know, it's full capacity this year and we get to be up in the press box, but it's just going to be nice to see people in the stands again. 
I always say, you know, right after the 4th of July, I start getting those butterflies and I start getting a little uptight, a little nervous. The hamster's upstairs in my head. The wheel starts spinning, you know, right around the 4th of July. But uh, it's actually moved up. I I start getting amped up a little bit when I get the Phil Steele magazine in the mail. And we got it, guys. So, you know, diving into that a little bit. So football is going to be upon us uh, sooner than we think over the next couple weeks. Um Look for some really cool stuff. Uh, hoping to catch up, uh, with Mike Hopkins and doing something cool with Mike. Uh, Jan Cohen is back from the college football, uh, college baseball world series. So, uh, hopefully catch up with Jen over the next couple weeks. Media day is, uh, February, excuse me, July 27th down in Los Angeles and it's at the W Hotel right on Hollywood Boulevard. So that ought to be interesting. So we'll see how that is down there. And then fall camp started, uh, was scheduled to be start August 6th, 7th, summer right in there. So and there always seems to be something going on. I'm going to be heading over to Walla Walla for a golf tournament for those interested. If you're over 50, Walla Walla Golf and Country Club has one of the best tournaments uh, over there. So uh, head to their site and take a look at that and Chris has got fond memories of Walla Walla, but that's great course, by the way, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, no, Walla Walla is great. Let me out for good behavior. I always appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Walla Walla is fantastic. And, um, yeah, I can see you're already hawking for the sponsorship, so well done you. Yeah, Walla Walla Golf and Country Club, if they want to sponsor me. I'll, I'll do that. But anyways, uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, uh, we'll start getting more of those daily updates uh, out as the season gets closer. But you definitely will get the breaking news alerts. Just send us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. So from all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Thank <laughs> you.